This special monthly UBU episode on hashtag Black Mental Health is sponsored by Janta Neuroscience and supported by the Painted Brain, a California peer-run organization. Yay. Hello. I've got Dr. Martin here on Unapologetically Black Unicorns for hashtag Black Mental Health. I'm um, so looking forward to this conversation because Dr. Martin is a pharmacist. So hello and welcome. Hi, Karis. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be here. Feel free to call me Shedrick. It's my first name. Uh, I'd rather be called by my first name. I think it's more personable. I even do that with my patients. Uh, but yes, I'm happy to be here. Happy to share. Mm-hmm. I think this is a, an, an amazing podcast to explore what it what it means to to give back as far as the Black community and mental health. So thank you for having me. Oh yeah, it's so it's so so great because you know as I was putting the the episodes together and thinking about how to link everything together, particularly for the Black community around our Black mental health, I kept wondering about the role of the pharmacist. And of course, you know, I go down to my, you know, local store here and, you know, fill a prescription or two. And, you know, sometimes I'll think about the pharmacist as being able to clarify questions or to ask about maybe, oh, I'm taking this medication. Can I get this over the counter thing? Beyond that, I don't really know much about kind of the role of pharmacist and how many black pharmacists there are and, you know, how we should be thinking about the pharmacist as part of our care team. So we're going to explore that a little bit today. Awesome. Tell me a little bit first, um, yeah, what do you do as a pharmacist? <laughs> so me personally, uh, I am what is known as a psychiatric pharmacist. And so generally what most people, as you uh, have also just mentioned, is we generally think of our neighborhood pharmacists at the CVS or Walgreens. And those pharmacists play a huge role in being on the front lines and, and helping patients and getting the appropriate medications to patients. But there's also a, a large array of pharmacists who actually work in a number of other areas of healthcare, including hospitals uh, and clinics and uh, uh, certain inpatient uh, programs, outpatient programs in the industry. And I myself, I currently work in the hospital system. And so I work in the hospital system as a specialized pharmacist. So I had some additional training Uh, which makes me a little more equipped to handle uh, medication management surrounding psychotropic medications and um, neurology-related medications. So my specific role in the hospital, I generally have a a set of patients that I review every day. And so what I generally do in the hospital is one, uh, I approve all the medications that get prescribed by any physician or nurse practitioner or PA in the hospital, those are reviewed by a pharmacist. So uh, me with a team of other pharmacists, we review all of those medications for any drug-drug interactions, food-drug interactions, allergies, that they work well in concert with their other medications, and that they're even uh, effective for the, the use that we're, we're attempting to, to use it for. So whatever the treatment uh, for whatever diagnosis that patient has, is this an, an appropriate medication to use? Is this the appropriate dose? and so on. And so we provide education or clarification if needed. I specifically with, in my job, I, I go kind of a step further, which I go and look at every patient and review 
all of their medications. I help dose a lot of their medications, especially IV medications. I'll go speak to patients to make sure the medications that they're taking at home, that we have that appropriate record and that we, we resume, stop, or adjust any medications based on what they're already taking and if we need to make changes there. And I often consult with the, the nursing staff or physician staff about how to move forward and um, making sure we have the most effective and safe treatments for our patients. Okay, that was a lot. Right? It is. <laughs> Who knew? It, and then we work all behind the scenes. So it's like no one ever sees us. So it's really hard to know, like, what is my pharmacist doing? But really, we're, we're in the background making sure that everything that's moving as far as medications, that it's, we're making sure it's, it's safe for our patients. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. When I worked in um, public health, in public mental health, we had pharmacists, and I, I actually didn't know if they were, you know, specialized. I didn't know there were specializations, first of all. One of the things that we, that we know, we'll start off with one thing, is that there's a lot of workforce shortages, especially in public mental health, you know, for um, psychiatrists in particular. So what is the role of the pharmacist? Where are they behind the scenes? Where are they in front of the scenes? And how, how are pharmacists, in our view, again, sort of how we see them, not kind of behind the scenes, but in front of the scenes, how can we see the pharmacist as part of the care team? And, you know, as a patient, are we allowed to say, oh, oh hey, I'd really like to consult with the pharmacist? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And oftentimes the, the response I get in the hospital when I visit a patient is, oh, I didn't know I had a pharmacist I could speak to. And so a lot of times we are very aware of our public, uh, our uh, pharmacist who is in the neighborhood, but maybe not in, in the hospital. But there are also a number of pharmacists who may play a role in what we think of as our primary uh, care clinics or our specialty clinics like a mental health clinic or our jail system or the VA system. Uh, and so there are pharmacists who are often embedded in multiple levels of healthcare. And oftentimes they may be visible. So in, in, some, uh, in some clinics or, or programs, you may have a pharmacist who is part of the team and you see them as part of your treatment plan and they, they go over your medications, your symptoms and make adjustments. Sometimes you may not see that pharmacist at all, or they may not even be available uh, in some areas. So it really depends on um, where you are and what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So let's say if you're in the hospital, there's most likely always a pharmacist available. Uh, if you're uh, obviously in the CVS and in the community, it's, it's obviously has to be a pharmacist available. And so when it gets uh, more thin is when we get into our clinics, you know, I go to my, see my psychiatrist, I do my follow-ups, or I have a intensive outpatient program that I'm in as, you know, in mental health specifically, or maybe you go to um, any other type of specialty clinics, uh, or I go to a psych hospital. So usually there's a pharmacist, but there may not be one that may be specialized in psych medication, uh, which you would think that there should be in every psych hospital, but it may not always be available. So if a pharmacist is, is not visually there, you know, I think it's, it's always an appropriate question to say, like, do you guys have a pharmacist available as part of this clinical program? If not, we could look for other resources to try to seek out. So, you know, it's growing. I think there are a number of pharmacists growing. The profession is growing. 
and our specialties are growing. So hopefully over the years, we'll see more and more pharmacists embedded in all areas of healthcare and available to all of our patients. Yeah, I love the idea of, you know, uh, to be the empowered patient to ask, though, though the person may not be there, that profession may not be there in um, whatever system of care, level of care you're currently in, it doesn't preclude you from being able to say, hey, is there a pharmacist here? Can, can, I, can I talk to the pharmacist as well? I'm thinking too, you know, when I did some work related to a uh, outreach program in a uh, a predominantly black area in Los Angeles, we're doing a homelessness outreach program, really talking to the people who were experiencing homelessness right there in the neighborhood. And, uh, you know, many identified, not, not all, because homelessness and mental illness do not always go hand in hand, but some of the folks would identify as having a mental health condition mm-hmm. and, uh, and not being on medication. And so our role was not to tell them to be on medication or not to be on medication. It was more about having conversation of what would be, what would be helpful for them. And one of the things that would come up is um, some folks would say, yeah, you know, I found the medication really helpful, but I didn't like the side effects. Um, And so there are two things that I heard from that. One is um, like, who could they be talking to about that? You know, I I could imagine if they don't have a a care team, they could go right into a CVS and start talking to like a pharmacist about side effects. Number two, you know, when we get the medications, there is a, um, that big pamphlet, (laughs) that we're supposed to get by law that tells us all about the medications that is entirely too in-depth. So how do we even understand what to make of all of that stuff? Uh, Really good question, mainly because one of our focuses in healthcare is how do we remove barriers to care? And sometimes barriers to care uh, include medications, which can be my understanding of the medication, my fear of side effects from the medication and mental health specifically, do I have to be on this medication the rest of my life? And so, and and including we have Dr. Google, which we look up all the side effects, all the things that happen to any and everyone ever in the world. And you look at that pamphlet and see 50 plus side effects and you see the horror story from uh, what you just Googled. And what the pharmacist there is there to do is we use our understanding of what's what's commonly what's common to happen with medication use and how do we approach medication use. And and we try to educate patients and um, talking about what are the most common things to expect when you start taking a medication. And if I start to experience one or two of these things, what should I do? Should I go home and and make a change? Can I take it differently? Can I add a different medication? Should I remove one? Or is this something I need to go see the doctor about? Or is this something I need to go to the emergency room about now? And so what that does is it empowers the patient to have more control over their medication use. And I feel like we feel under the control of the medication. And so what I think the pharmacist does is help empower patients to be in control of their own treatment and their medication and give them the, the education to know how to use it. So I think that's the role that, that's there. And we get afraid of every situation and we have to realize that all of our situations may be different. Medications affect us differently. Side effects affect, um, appear for some patients, don't appear for others. And those ones that we're really afraid of are usually the most rare. The majority of those side effects on that pamphlet are probably 
less than 1% likelihood to occur, but there could be like five or six that are more like 10% or more. And so those are the ones we try to usually counsel on with our patients. And so your pharmacists for most general things, your neighborhood pharmacists can do that. If you have a pharmacist in the hospital, they can do that. If you have a pharmacist available in your clinic, especially if you're managed and treated by a pharmacist in your mental health clinic, they should have a wealth of knowledge and understanding of how to guide you through that process. Yeah, that's really great. And, you know, I was also thinking about, you know, as a person, you know, myself with a lived experience of a mental health condition, for the most part, my psychiatrists have been men and they've been white men, let's just be clear, right? But they've been men. And sometimes I need to talk to somebody about like, well, how is this medication going to help me on the like female side of things? And I feel uncomfortable talking to my psychiatrist sometimes about that. I know I can, they're, they're great, but it's kind of like, oh, I feel kind of little, but I felt more comfortable being able to have that conversation with my pharmacist because the pharmacist was a female. And I think that's kind of another way to think about you know, if, if sometimes there are difficult conversations to have uh, with your, your provider, how can you have them with the pharmacist for, for clarity? So that was one way, at least I could think about how I um, (laughs) I use, I use my pharmacist as if somehow I was abusing them. No, I was using them appropriately. If I could piggyback on that, I think that's a wonderful point. So when we think of the pharmacy world, uh, all of all the pharmacists that in the U.S., it's a, a predominantly female-dominated profession. Uh, and when we think of uh, Black professionals in pharmacy, which have doubled in like the last five to 10 years, most of those Black professionals have been Black women. And so there are more women uh, who are likely to be your pharmacist than men. So for women who may feel uncomfortable, that is a, a wonderful source to go to. And just in general, I have a lot of patients who really appreciate having me as a resource because they feel like they're physicians. Physicians are often strained for time. They have 15 minutes to talk to you, figure out what's going on, prescribe something and write their notes and they have to go. And a lot of patients feel either intimidated by their physician or they may feel that they could be burdening their physician by asking too many questions or asking that dumb question or, or may not even know what question to ask because they may not have been kind of given that platform and understanding of what should I be looking for or asking about. And I think uh, I, as a pharmacist, I feel like I have been able to fill those gaps for a lot of patients and keep them engaged in care mm-hmm. and something that I, I personally feel accomplished about being able to add that as a team, you know, we can't all do it by ourselves. Right, right. And that's really interesting to talk about the demographics, because, you know, I was also thinking about sometimes when medications were prescribed to me, if I had to, you know, change medications, because the side effects were, you know, just didn't work out for me, you know, my biggest ones on on psychotropic medication were weight gain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a uh, black female, my concerns about weight gain had to do with having other uh, complicating physical health um, issues that are predominant amongst black folk, which is like diabetes and things like that. So I really, I'm wondering about number one, like, how many Black, I don't know how many black pharmacists there are, but clearly we could use more. And, you know, if we're not finding 
in our in our providers, folks who understand some of these really cultural things for us, can can the pharmacists, especially if they're black pharmacists, uh, help us? We may not have trust of the mental health system, but maybe we have trust of our neighborhood pharmacist, whether that person be black or what have you. But I, I'm just wondering about, yeah, the demographics and and how pharmacists understand that too for us as black folks and like the medication profiles and stuff. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, when we look at the number of black pharmacists as a whole in the U.S., I think the last time I checked was around like 5% of pharmacists are actually black pharmacists. Don't exactly quote me on that, but I, that's uh, that's probably the closest statistic that I could find. And so that's that's all pharmacists, right? Five percent, and that's actually after doubling over the last few years, which I mentioned mo- uh, a moment ago. Mm-hmm. And so even pharmacists who are specialized, thinking of you know like even psychiatric pharmacists of board certified psychiatric pharmacists, I found like. On the website, we have had about 1,500 of those pharmacists, which is not a lot. And if I was to use the same same statistic, which I don't know if it's really true, but like 5% of 1,500, that's only like seven or eight pharmacists. That would be black psychiatric pharmacists. You know, kind of putting those numbers into perspective, there's not very many. Yeah. And so, and I think it's really important. I would say from my understanding and some of the the more... um, black and brown neighborhoods, I have seen more black pharmacists. So it's mm-hmm. nice that they are more, they're representative uh, for their neighborhoods. So I, I used to live in Georgia and Macon, Georgia. And a lot of the pharmacists there were, there were a lot of black pharmacists there in those areas. And then here in the, in the Bay Area now in Vallejo, um, I noticed that there's also quite a few black pharmacists compared to other areas. So, you know, it's nice to, to have that um, yeah. at least in some yeah. areas. And you're right, you know, to be able to have similar lived experiences speaks more than just knowing about um, experiences. Very, it's very helpful and have that, that comfortability to talk to someone. And then you see your pharmacist at least once a month and you may not see your doctor once a month. So you have the more opportunity to build a relationship than you do with maybe your physician if you're not seeing them um, frequently. You know, when I think about mental health in the Black community, and of course the, the the stigma and maybe fear of of talking about those, you know, kind of what's going on with our mental health, especially if we have to take a medication or choose to take medication for our mental health, is do you feel like the the pharmacist and the, and the is a safe place to be able to share any of those fears and talk about the stigma and um, and pharmacists, whether they be um, you know psychiatric pharmacist or not, have the ability to have those conversations with folks? Yeah, you know that's a tough question because that would be me speaking for other pharmacists who may not be <laughs> yeah. in the area. Uh, yeah. um, so, but for me and, and those who are trained in. Um, psychiatry, there, there is a level of training regarding how to have those conversations, how to recognize stigma, and how to use person-first language and different techniques and making sure that we're not driving the stigma forward and mm-hmm. understanding the patients. Mm-hmm. As for uh, other, other pharmacists in the profession, I can't say that they uh, will have the same level of understanding, <clears throat> but I think that the re- having the relationship would make it a lot easier to determine if if you could feel comfortable speaking with that that pharmacist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you know, in our in our in pharmacy schools, the curriculums are also pushing more 
mental health and stigma training. And so I think some of the newer pharmacists that are coming out, like in the coming years, we we are being more equipped with how to handle uh, behavioral health emergencies and patients. Mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And you know, glad that's happening. And you know, even though we're talking a lot on the you know the person receiving services or patient side, as well as the pharmacist side. So I had another question, which was, why did you decide to go into pharmacy? And then secondarily, why did you choose this specialization? Yeah. You know, I was I was always like the, the science kid, the science whiz at high school. And, you know, I I was kind of at a loss as to where I w- wanted to go with my career. And I often like visit the, the pharmacist and I always heard my my grandfather always talk about the pharmacist and his relationship. And like when something was wrong, he would he would call the pharmacist first because he would be like, oh, well, he should know about the medications. And so I kind of saw that relationship. And uh, I was like, hmm, that sounds interesting. And so I, I just thought I would kind of shoot in the dark and go for it. And I landed in pharmacy school. Mm-hmm. And then in pharmacy school, it was it was like I, I, I didn't, initially I was thinking of industry, you know, going into pharmacy industry and trying to reach mm-hmm. helping people on the large scale of like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people at a time by, by doing my work. Uh, but then I, I really fell in love with the the patients, the mm-hmm. actual work with the patients and the gratitude I received from, from working with patients and volunteering in the community. And so I, I didn't want to leave that completely. So I, I decided to uh, go on to postgraduate training and, and do some additional clinic, what they call clinical pharmacy work. So you get just some additional uh, training and uh, medication management. Mm-hmm. So Psychiatry was was very multifactorial, multifactorial. So it wasn't like that aha moment where like something happens and it's like that moment I knew. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know. I think I just kind of walked into it. The uh-huh. opportunity came up um, when I was training in my first year of postgraduate training. There were a lot of things. I was fascinated by the medications and the patients. I was I was angered in the care that they were receiving, and I felt like a lot of our mental health patients at the hospital I was training at were getting substandard care compared to patients who did not have the any mental health concerns. So if they had heart failure or diabetes, it was, you know, uh, all hands on board, make sure that everybody get it teed up and they're ready to go home and they won't come back because we did it just right. But then the mental health patients came in. It was like, oh, well, here they come again. Let's just kind of do this and, and get them going. And I was really angered by some of the, the I guess, the idea of, of how we approach some of the patients. And so I was like, you know, I think I can be an advocate for, for the patients within the system rather than on the outside of the system. I can make those interventions with the physician right there before before we make our decision as to how we're going to treat the patient. And then I worked with the patients. I was very emotionally drawn to them. And, you know, the, the feeling you get from, I would sit 30 minutes with a patient and just have a conversation about like what brought them to the hospital. And it seemed like that 30 minutes did way more than the, the 30 medications that they may have received in the past six years. So it was, it was that feeling uh, all of those factors really made me feel like mental health is where 
I want to bring my knowledge and skill to. Yeah. So all I can say is this is where I do my, you know, two thumbs up, two snaps, claps, happy dance, all of that kind of stuff, because, you know, what you've what you've given sort of voice to that I'm just so appreciative of that I wish we could hear more of. So I'm so glad you, you spoke to that. Number one was first, you know, you you saw the differences in how people with mental health conditions are treated. And it's kind of like we get the outcomes we get because of the way the beliefs that people have and the way we're treated. It's like, oh, well, they're back again. So you're going to treat them as if, well, they're going to come back again. And then you're going to blame the mental illness for that. And it's like, well, maybe it's a Pygmalion effect because you believe that they were going to come back again. So you treated them as such. And I, and I love also how you've been talking about the importance of a person being um, an advocate, you know, a self-advocate um, in their own care, um, you know, being able to uh, find people uh, where they can ask the questions and get the support to understand the role that medication has in the whole array of what it is that they're doing uh, to get better. So for our listeners, which, which can, you know, they're made up of providers and people with lived experience, family members, like what, what are some key things that, you know, we should be thinking about as it pertains to hashtag our black mental health as black folks related to um, kind of the role of the pharmacist, what more could we be doing? You know, we, we really want to advocate for our patients and we want our patients to advocate for themselves. And so in order to advocate for yourself, you really have to really know more. Uh, and, and education is, is very important in helping us understand mental health, to reduce stigma, to know where to find help. And, um, and just knowing more uh, uh, about what your pharmacist can do and, and how can they support you in, in your own journey through your mental health. And so I, I think that's one of the most important things is being being a self-advocate and having the pharmacist can help you be a self-advocate, especially around medications. Because uh, as I mentioned before, we sometimes they can be what we call barriers to care and we want to remove all barriers. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I think that is, is one way to make sure that we uh, we highlight what's what role pharmacists can have there in mental health. Yep. And I'm going to add one more is your neighborhood pharmacist is available and there for you. Generally don't have to make an appointment. You might have to stay in line and Mm. uh, you know, you don't have to pay for them. They're already paid for, (laughs) you know, hate to say you're getting them for free, but you kind of are because they're already paid for. Right. Yeah. Access. You know, you're right. That's, that's another one. Access from our, our neighborhood pharmacists to our psychiatric trained pharmacists, there are all these levels of pharmacists who can, who can help fill some of those gaps in our mental health. You know, we spend billions and billions of dollars, even myself, when I'm just trying to, when we have those simple questions, it's like, I don't want to call the clinic to set up an appointment, pay $15 copay or pay a hundred some dollars for a visit just to ask a few questions because I don't know and I need guidance. And that's where the pharmacist plays a, a really uh, amazing role to fill that gap is when I need like to figure out how do I approach a medical situation. And so, you know, sometimes we don't realize our, our pharmacists have more training than we think or yeah. more knowledge, you know, yeah. how do we make care. 
There's one thing I want to make sure that we cover that we we didn't, and and that really is about. Um, and again, I think this is about the empowered and informed patient person who you know service user person who's using services, and that is one of the things that I that I had to teach myself and make sure that I understood and asked about was when medications were used disproportionately for Black folk than for other folks. And I really had to understand like how to ask questions about that to, for me, protect myself. I would just put it that way. I'll just go ahead and use an example. So for one of them, the numbers were changed around a blood disease that you could get. And the numbers differed between Black people and other people. And I thought, well, how am I supposed to trust that? Do you know what I mean? I I have to be able to talk about that, right? With my provider, I have to be able to understand that. And I would hope my provider and or the pharmacist would discuss that with me as well. Because the the, the conundrum that we have in protecting ourselves is, is protecting and advocating for ourselves as Black people, because sometimes there's disparity in what medications are prescribed to us. Right, right. I, I think this is also rooted in, in our history of health equity and the lack of health equity in, in our population of color. Uh, and just the, just the general history with, with medicine and our people is that there's a lot of mistrust as well. So anytime we get into a, a situation, especially with medicine treatment and medications, which just really seem like we're going to be targeted disproportionately or we don't understand, there's there's a reason that we have a lot of fear around that. And I think the importance for the the provider is that they they quell those fears. You know, there are some differences in medications that happen between people, between different groups, uh, between gender and between ages that we really need to help our patients understand why those differences exist and that is this difference okay and is it not? And so uh, I think you're right. We may not do a good job doing that for our patients. And I think it's okay to ask if something, if you don't understand or if you have fear or you heard something, even if you just heard or Googled it, uh, don't, don't feel bad about asking. And I would hope that your provider wouldn't make you feel bad for asking. They want to empower you to help you understand what you're about to get into and what you're going through. Great. Then I am going to really say thank you, thank you, thank you so much, because I think you've you've really helped us understand the role of the pharmacist, um, the specialization, and the power of us as the people who are receiving the services to be empowered in all of the uh, you know relationships that we have um, and understanding the medications that we're taking and to do the last thing you said is to ask. That we can do, we can always ask. So I wanna thank you so much for uh, joining me on hashtag Black Mental Health. Thank you for having me. It was a, it was a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's fantastic, fantastic. And for everybody else who's been listening in to uh, Unapologetically Black Unicorns, hashtag Black Mental Health, we will see you on the last Tuesday of every month uh, to continue this series. Thanks for joining us. Bye.